This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is sponsored by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Bellman Street, Aberdeen. Located only 30 seconds walk away from the nearest bus stop, taking supporters to Pataudry for free on match days. Siberia Bar and Hotel is open seven days a week, all year round, and get fired in with our exclusive discounts. Head to the bar and quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pound of Foster's, a £4 for a pint of Moretti or Dark Fruits, or £5 for a pint of Fierce or a Daiquiri any day of the week, including match days. Come on, you Reds. Red slight of foot there. Hello and welcome along to episode 146 of the ABZ Football Podcast live. As you can see, Graham's currently now footing about with his headphones. This was working a minute ago. Graham, can you hear us? Possibly not. The first show of a new year, what could possibly go wrong? Why would you decide to go live? But we did. Gav, I'll come to you first. How are you? Yes, thank you. Uh, yeah, very well. Thank you. Loud and clear here and live and kicking. Excellent. Good stuff. Graham, can you hear us yep. now? I can. How are things, mate? All right. Other than some technical difficulties. That's all right, mate. It's all right. Better. It's all good. It's all good. Um, we were just chatting before we joined off a minute ago. Did you um, manage to escape your prepper? I did. I did. Um, some interesting points of view. What exactly was he preparing for? Uh, I guess Robson Ball 2024. That hey. necessitated a generator and pickled food? The trajectory we were on, possibly. He obviously wasn't expecting us to <clears throat> scud the Stag East 3-0. Indeed, we're going to come on to that in a minute or two. Um, but Graham, all good, mate? All good? It's all good. Excellent. Lovely stuff. Now, I guess a couple of things we'll watch clear up. Not clear up. Let's have a quick chat about it. Before we get on to talk about the Ross County game... Um, First of all, maybe just a, a moment of quiet reflection amongst us all for the announcement about the departure of Reese Williams. Who? Exactly. Williams um, apparently recalled, but I, I, I doubt that's the case by Liverpool from his season-long loan. Signed. That's right. He, he definitely dumped us, didn't he? Yeah, indeed, indeed. Signed in June, departs having failed to make a solitary first-team appearance. Did manage to bag himself four all-inclusive trips abroad, though, in that time. So not too bad, I guess. No, it's not bad for half a year. Very, very odd situation all around there. Yeah, I mean, I think we all hoped when Reese Williams signed, given his pedigree, um, having played Champions League football uh, for Liverpool against Real Madrid, the success we had with Leighton Clarkson last season, hoping to just build on that relationship with Liverpool and bring him in, uh, have him as a standout player. Uh, so for it to have never gotten anywhere near the, the first team, um, I think, generally speaking, only appeared in the squad for European games. So I can only assume that he is a... Uh, that was part of the part of the terms of his loan agreement. Uh, no surprise whatsoever to find out that he's, that he's gone. But um, curious what will happen now uh, in terms of filling his place in the squad or if they'll even look at it as a position that needs to be 
filled or we use the the money we're spending on them to strengthen elsewhere and also i think it should be curious to see if um any further outgoings indeed and as john in the chat points out we'll always have his announcement video if nothing else which was a work of art by everybody involved down ab24 way um noel's asking if there's any chance of being graham's input volume up uh, we did try this earlier on. There seems to be something a bit funny. I don't know, Graham, if you want to pull the mic maybe a little bit closer to the gub, see if that might help matters, possibly. I can try, um, see if that's better. Yeah, before we come on to that as well, before we come on to talk a little bit more about other things this week and also the Ross County game, let's also just have a quick laugh about what's happening down Govan Way. I mean, that's a club who are just completely losing their absolute fucking marbles at this moment in time, all about a decision that was never a penalty kick in the first place. I, I don't have any words when it comes to that mob. <laughs> To be perfect, well, not not kind words. Um, I don't know. I'm just sitting back and the, the ironing is delicious. Uh, it is unbelievable scenes. I see tonight as well. Apparently, they've now requested the SFA that uh, Willie Collin will no longer be involved in any Rangers games going forward. And as I pointed out on Twitter earlier on, if we're now allowed to do that now, I didn't know that was an option. Exactly. If that's now an option, I've got a fucking long list that I can submit on behalf of AFC to the SFA. The entitlement um, is just, it's its breathtaking. And yeah, I mean, that's what, they've conceded a penalty at the weekend, the first in 75 games or something in the league. Uh, closing, and they were just about closing on, I think, a world record of not conceding in the um, in the league. And yet they still think there's a, we're all out to get them. It's, it's quite spectacular. I mean, it's Celtic-esque. It really is. It really is. Fair play. Um, so we've just touched on it. I mean, obviously the Dons... 2024 calendar has its first victim. It was good to see they did stick Williams into January. Um, surely next up will be his month mate in the Dons calendar as well, or Dadia, given he was spotted departing Aberdeen Airport on Wednesday morning as well with plenty of suitcases, which presumably was there to hoover up his duty-free allowances. <laughs> you would think so, but stranger things have happened. I mean, you know... Ronnie Hernandez, not to bring up that old uh, that old can of worms. Um, I Let's think not can, go yeah. down that road again. We got into trouble the last time we did that. Yeah, and this is live as well. We can't uh, <laughs> corrupt edit this shit together to make it seem there's no conspiratorial tone there. Um, yeah, I've yeah, got to imagine he'll be leaving. Um, obviously hasn't worked out in the slightest. Um, you have to ask major questions of what went into that piece of recruitment and the fact that we gave up on him so quickly. And yeah, I think still there'll be there'll be still more uh, to go out the door, uh, provided we can find clubs to take these players away. Indeed, I think the bigger one, or say the bigger one, is it bigger? I don't think it really is. It's probably not even news these days, but the Daily Record were obviously reporting about the fact that Vinnie Bishowin, who we know was let back to uh, the Netherlands, I think prior to New Year anyway, certainly, looking to try and get a club sorted out for him. No surprises there, I don't think. It'll be interesting to see what other kind of business we do get done over the next few days. I guess maybe we can touch about this really quickly just because there's a couple of questions coming in about this and then we can talk about the Ross County game in a second. Dean's asking, with uh, with Reese Williams departing, do you think it means we'll bring in another centre-half this window? I mean, Barry loves a (laughs) centre-half. We play four at the back now, so we've got got cover in two places as it is. But then again, there's been lots of chat, rumour and innuendo about um, Angus McDonald. Uh, potentially departing, which I think would be a major error in judgment if we if we were to let him go. Um, 
I think what Robson said after the Ross County game was that the support will always be there from the chairman, uh, from the club, and if we can find the right player to improve the squad, then we'll go about doing so. Uh, so it's maybe not necessarily a case of filling in the, to be fair, non-existent role that Reese Williams played for us, but rather improving upon the team that we have right now. Because I think, yeah, the defence has been leaking goals all season. If we can get better players then, 100%, I'd be, I'd be uh, keen for us to explore those avenues. Kev, no, Kev in the chat no. does make a dangerous point, which I was just away to come to, Graham, with Reese Williams going out. Does it mean that Big T, Anthony Stewart, could be coming back? The T Stewart redemption just, arc begins. I've just noticed that point as well. Um, eh, there's a case to say he couldn't be any worse. I mean, we're not exactly solid. <laughs> right, anyway, let's move on. I, there's been a lot of people, a lot of rumour and innuendo again today about Matty Pollock, because um, he was in Edinburgh, I think, on his holidays briefly. Um as much as I'd love to see Matty Pollock come back, I don't see it happening at all, is my gut feel. Um, I also do, I liked Matty Pollock, I did. I do feel there's a little bit of the kind of same Vinny Bajowin thing going on here, where the longer he's not here with us, he becomes a better player in the eyes of everybody. Um, I think he needed an Angus McDonald type alongside him to, to get the best out of if him. If only we had that. I know, if only we had an Angus McDonald there, um, who can maybe help marshal some young, inexperienced, rash players through games. My, my two bob would be that my Pollock, if he was to come back, would be a better defender than pretty much anyone we had. So if there is um, a possibility, he's obviously not featured much at all for Watford. It would seem to be beneficial for him, for Watford's long-term investment, that he's out playing games. And, you know, you listen to him talk about Aberdeen. He loved his time here. I've got, I've got no doubt to believe that we're monitoring him. Um, so if there is a possibility, hey, I would be more than up for it because there could be a step up certainly on Rubicic, Garterman and Jensen for that matter. Right, will we move on? Yes. Let's do this. Let's use some of the fancy sound stage things that are in this here. If I can make it work. There we go. That's what we wanted. On to Ross County nil. Seamless. Seamless stuff. Seamless stuff. Ross County nil. Aberdeen 3 at Tuesday, the 2nd of January 2024 at the Global Energy Megadome in the Cinch. <laughs> <laughs> Three changes to the starting lineup um, from the side that was heavily beaten by St. Mirren last time out. We saw Duke, Richard Jensen and Jimmy McGarry dropping out of the team. McGarry out of the squad altogether. In came Jack McKenzie, Connor Barron and Dante Povara. Now, that lineup, of course, sparked scenes of interest amongst the Don supports, probably the best way to put it, about what we were going to see. Was it going to be a back four? Well, upon kickoff, that is exactly what we had, because I myself was trying to fathom how he was still going to play a back five with the players that were in the starting lineup. But hey, there we go. What do we know? Shinny and Barron, Holden, Clarkson in the 10, McGrath and Povara either side, Miofsky up top by himself. And the Don started well. McGrath with an effort deflected pass for a corner. McGrath in particular started well. Gav will come onto this in a little bit of time. Uh, doing well to win the ball wide on the left-hand side, sliding a great-looking through ball for Povara, who was maybe half a yard off the pace to get there ahead of Laidlaw. Look at this, Gav's departed already. He doesn't even have the balls to sit here and do the McGrath board. Fucking disgusting stuff. After that bright opening, though, the game, I don't know what you boys thought, I thought it kind of got bogged down a little bit into a bit of a nothing game. Plenty of effort on display from both sides, but nothing really a note happening. I then tweeted this out, which was probably the best thing I did all day yesterday, because as soon as I did it, Aberdeen took the lead. Nice through ball by Shinny. Miofsky bearing down on goal. 
his initial effort was kind of deflected wide. Boyan did well to cover the ball back, whipped in a lovely ball that Clarkson went for the overhead kick, missed it completely, but the ball fell from McGrath. He finished past Laidlaw, 1-0 the Dons, and then before you fucking know it, it was 2 Clarkson with a great, wonderful burst through the county defensive line, squares it for McGrath, 2-0 Aberdeen. Miofsky then forces a save at a laid law as we look to turn the screw. Then Miofsky wins a free header from the resulting corner, his header across goal drifting wide. All in all, half-time, not too fucking bad. 2-0, no changes at half-time. Aberdeen starting off again pretty well. Devlin with an effort blocked in the box. Shinney thought he'd scored an absolute stunner, but the goal was ruled out for an offside on Clarkson early in the build-up. Release the VAR. Audio now, SFA, <laughs> if we can do that. Dons continue to dominate. Chances from McGrath and Miofsky went begging before Barron forced a save from Laidlaw. And then Miofsky finally got the goal that his performance deserved. Latched onto a cleared ball, bursting away from Baldwin. Perhaps not that difficult. Nestling is finished low into the far, far corner. Lovely, lovely stuff all round. And amazingly with Barry, it took until the 88th minute for us to see some changes. Duncan and Sokler on for Shinny Miofsky. Sokler straight into the action, chasing a header forward from his fellow sub Duncan. Baldwin coming across and doing what Jack Baldwin does best, chopping somebody down. Original decision on the pitch, a penalty kick, a second yellow for Baldwin before Vard intervened. To confirm that the foul had taken place just outside the box, Baldwin made to stand like an absolute prick at a wedding pitch side as VAR overturned the second booking in favour of a straight red. Glorious stuff from, was it Matthew McDermott that was referee yesterday? Mark McDermott? I believe Matthew so, yes. McDermott. Lovely stuff by him. Maybe we can get him more often. Uh, McGrath putting the free kick straight into the wall when it was custom made for that to be a hat trick. But there we go. That was that. Full time, 3-0. The Dons up into 8th going into the winter break. Level points with Dundee who remain on 7th on account of their goal difference being one better than ours. On the data front, because we all love the fucking data, possession 53% for Ross County to our 47%. Shots 5-16 to 16 in favour of the wayside. Shots on target 3-7. to 7. Expected goals 0.13 for Ross County. 1.8 for the good guys. Gents, first things first. Before we come on to the game itself and the ramifications for Robson, just simply put a massive, massive, massive and much needed three points for the club before we head into the winter break. Absolutely. Yeah, I I think it was I think if you asked the average supporter ahead of the game whether you know what they wanted, I think everyone have just said a scrappy, a one 0 win as as we could get. Getting the three points on the board was the most important thing and performance would be secondary to it all um and thankfully um when you see the lineup and you work at that he's not played a massive curveball it's not mckenzie on the left of a back three and shinny at left back or um anything else he might have sprung on us um and it is the back four and that midfield five supporting miofsky um to get the kind of performance we did was just a, a real bonus that i didn't expect you know it was something that i think fans can I feel it was an undeniable performance for anyone that was watching it that this is the way to set up this current, you know, group of players and even uh, the manager, if in, in his most stubborn moments, couldn't deny that. So to get something like that, that we can hold on to, believe in and, you know, carry us through this winter break with a bit of hope, a bit of optimism for the second half of the season that we can kick on, play like that, dominate teams, create chances, score goals, it was um, a very unexpected, but much appreciated performance from Aberdeen in the uh, in the Megadome. 
Graham, when the team lines broke, how long did it take you to pick yourself up off the floor with it, when it became apparent that we were going to play a back four? Well, like you, I was trying to figure out how that team got shoehorned into the usual um, tough formation. And then I came to the conclusion that it can't be done. But then I thought, no, Rob's not allowed to smart me. Um, so I was quite surprised to see it. I think, no, I'm not necessarily, I don't really say I'm that big on the tactics and the formations. But what was interesting is, regardless of how we set up, for whatever reason, some football broke out. Uh, yesterday, which hasn't happened for quite a long time. And I don't think that's necessarily down to the formation as such. We just decided that let's actually play the ball on the, the deck more often than not. And when you've got decent players, look what can happen. Yeah, I mean, I guess when the when the lines came out and when you could see we were going with the back four, I was probably a bit apprehensive about the lack of width that seemed to be on display. It did smack a little bit to me of a guy with no real notion about what becomes his best midfield. So he just decided, you know what, I'm just going to chuck them all on the pitch and see what the fuck happens. It worked. <laughs> well, perhaps, yeah. I mean, I don't think you necessarily want to see Dante Polvara uh, playing wide right if you're going to get the best out of him. But I think, thankfully, as the game kind of developed, the, the fullbacks started getting a bit higher up the pitch and then uh, McGrath and Polvara went a bit more central to to help out with both Clarkson and... And Boyan Miofsky as well. I mean, I think I can kind of appreciate why he would look at it that way. Um, I think we can all have our opinions or thoughts about Vinny Bajau and how well or how underutilised he's been uh, by probably the last two managers, if not maybe even the last three managers at Aberdeen. But obviously Robson doesn't rate him or doesn't want to trust him in a, in a game situation. And then you're left with, you know, Shaden Morris, Johnny Hayes, Ryan Duncan, I think you can probably ask legitimate questions about all of their quality um, to be first-team Aberdeen players. So I think, yeah, probably just a case of getting those best five midfielders on the pitch. Uh, maybe not in the most orthodox of manners, maybe not the way you necessarily want them to be playing, but you know they all stuck their task, did very, very well. And fingers crossed that we can maybe see Robson address that in the, in the January window and bring in some quality uh, out wide so we can get that width from not just our full backs but from you know some very good wingers as well yeah we'll come and talk about that in a minute as it was actually the the the, the system the 4-2-3-1 was actually quite well structured you know we had Shinny and Barron we talked about earlier on holding uh, Clarkson in the 10 McGrath and Polvaras kind of nominal wingers but they were very rarely you know hugging the touchline they were really more often coming inside to support Miofsky you saw the width in the main coming from Jack McKenzie and, and, and Devlin getting up and down the lines in terms of the starting lineup again, just really quickly, surprised that it was Jensen dropping out and not Gartenman, um, who was then obviously playing alongside Rubicic. I think you can ask almost any supporter, and they will have a different opinion about who the um, the weakest of the three centre backs are. Um, and I know a lot of people are not particularly fond of Richard Jensen. Um, for me, he's been the least offensive of, of all of them so far. Um, and I thought that at least if you have him in the team, you're going to have the balance of the right foot, left foot uh, player, uh, centre-backs. Um, so surprised, maybe a little bit, but with Robson, I'm not really sure. I mean, he's clearly going to play Rubicic more or less whenever he uh, whenever he can. And I guess Garman, I mean, He's played almost every minute he's been available for this season, so it makes you wonder what, again, is in the terms with um, with Mitchelland as far as him being at Aberdeen. 
So, yeah, perhaps a little bit surprised by Gessie. One of them has to drop out and the manager was vindicated because we went on, kept clean sheet. Yeah, exactly. Graham, I mean, I don't think there was any surprises that we saw Duke and Magari dropping out. I don't know how much of the St Mirren game you can remember having been in uh, hospitality, but it was good to see Jack McKenzie back. He does kind of feel right now um, like he's our number one player in that position at this moment in time. I see, see Gavin just yeah. smirking. I, like anyone who's played in any of those defensive positions, they've had decent games and they've had some pretty poor games, but I don't think anyone... I don't really think anyone's there to challenge McKenzie at this moment in time. I mean, you don't want to see Hayes there. I certainly don't want to see Hayes in that position. It probably, if I'm generous, it's early days on McGarry, but it's an odd one that you can play on a Saturday and then be binned out of a squad. Um, and he's probably, I wouldn't say he's any better than McKenzie overall. There's bits I like about McGarry. I think he looks like a reasonable footballer. He's quite good in the ball, but overall... He hasn't really delivered with the final ball and defensively he's a little bit suspect. So I know Mackenzie has been a bit of a target uh, for Gavin in particular, but I thought he did, did a decent job. And if you look at the options, I think right now the way things are, he's probably probably your better option. I'll be intrigued to see going forward if, there's, if Robson is going to stick with the back four, which I feel he should. I think every fan... Would, would tend to agree. I think it's what we've all been calling out for. I'd be interested to see if he maybe thinks about putting Jensen in at left back, which is where he plays for Finland, has played a lot of football in his career, or if, you know, Jensen was brought in to be that left side of the back three, and that change in shape will maybe find him struggling to, to find his way back into this Aberdeen side. Yeah, I think it's a good point. I think I think the thing that you see, you see at McKenzie at the moment, though, is I do think McKenzie gives you a decent outlet going forward. He's not shy about getting up the pitch. We've not really seen enough of that from Richard Jensen. So far, that said, he's he's not played in a left-back position or, or a wing-back position so far. Um, he does seem very reluctant to... We've, we've talked, I don't know how many times on, on the show about this, that he, he does seem very reluctant to to cross the halfway line from time to time. But who knows, maybe, as you say, Gav, that is actually where he does play for the national team. So you never know. Maybe we are doing a bit of a disservice there. I mean, I thought on the whole, um, our back four kind of did their jobs fine. No major issues. Um, and we've, we've, we've been critical about Gartenman, obviously, in the last few weeks because he has been poor. I thought that was much more like it from him um, alongside Rupesic on on whatever bloody day it is these days. Was it Tuesday? Tuesday. Um <laughs> The, the defensive line weren't tested overly by County, but what they had to do, I thought they did in the main pretty well. No, I mean, there was a little uh, moment uh, after the second goal, uh, just prior to halftime, where I think Ross County got a little bit on top of us and started creating one or two opportunities. Um, obviously, Murray runs at Rubizic and then hits a shot off the post, and there's one uh, that cash flies across the face a goal thankfully not turned in by by Jordan White but yeah on the whole I mean I think it was a much more composed measured performance from from Garterman there wasn't any of that kind of last ditch desperate defending that I've seen from him a lot in in recent times um so yeah definitely an improvement definitely an improved performance and I would have to say that on the whole you know I think Rubizic held his end of the bargain as well yeah, I enjoyed the, the defensive performance in the main. I thought it was pretty decent. Um, as John's pointed out as well, I was also the same as this. I was loving it when Ruby decided he was going to chug up the pitch towards goal. That's two times running now he's done this. 
I'm mad for Ruby Go. It's got to come sometime soon. I just don't think it's going to come from him chugging up the pitch and <laughs> McDonald against Helsinki. I think it's going to come <laughs> from something a little bit more rudimentary. But still, fingers crossed we're all there to see it. Indeed, absolutely. Um, CMC, uh, whatever your name actually is, it's just an interesting point. I've just noticed in the chat quickly. It's not really related to the game in itself, but I thought it's an interesting point. Just talking about um, Vinny Bergeron, because obviously Gav, you know, we've rightly highlighted now, three managers have now chosen, well, maybe not three managers, two, because I don't think Stephen Glass really had the opportunity to use Vinny. Uh, I think Glass was only in charge for about two games when Vinny was here, I think. And he does hit on a, what is an interesting point, and I think it's something that certainly, you know, we've heard about from people around the club sometimes, is that Vinny perhaps doesn't apply himself enough from a training perspective, perhaps maybe treats everything in life as being too much of a bit of a laugh and maybe doesn't knuckle down enough. Um, I think there was the instance, was it, did Goodwin play, Goodwin kind of started him, didn't he, at the start of Goodwin's first proper season in charge. he was in the team, yeah. yeah absolutely, he was a, a regular you know, first team player. Yeah, I'm, try, I'm trying to highlight in the back of my head about the incident I'm thinking about. I think it was at Tanadice where both he and Coulson were culpable, I think, for the first two goals that United scored in the 4-0 defeat. And I don't think Vinny kind of appeared much after that from memory. And I remember I remember hearing at the time that I think, you know, Goodwin was given a lot of stick to Bajow in the dressing room about that. And Vinny was kind of just like laughing off, like, yeah, whatever. Like, don't matter. And it was from that point that Goodwin and Bajow, and that was just like, it was not going to work. And it does, I think there's, it's, it's clear that Vinny's got a lot of talent in him but if it's a, an attitude thing I can see why he's not been getting games I think it is very there is a lot of people out there I think the, the more Vinny doesn't play the better player he becomes in the eyes of a lot of people I think it's a real shame because I think there's talent there and we've invested money and we've invested not just in terms of wages but we've invested a transfer fee in him as well not to get a return out of it it's a shame but it's going to be what it is yeah well yeah it's not it's a good it's a good point and actually and something that I imagine there is uh, there is something in that because it's been a quite a long period of time where he's not been anywhere near a team or out on loan etc and I, I suppose because we're playing in a the, the football's been quite boring and there's not really any with anyone who gave you that and you feel like was capable of getting down the wing beating a man doing something a little bit different to what you see week in week out obviously it gets better as every game goes by and we have very little width yeah you're crying out for the days when we did have a little bit of it so I think there's a bit of time goes by and he's becomes a little bit better probably in my eyes as well um but I, I think it's a it's a good point and it does make me think that there's something there's something else yeah. that we're not privy to which is why he's not been anywhere near an Aberdeen regular for well basically all the time he's been here and Jamie in the chat's right it's not as though the club are going to be shouting from the rooftops about the fact it's an attitude issue because we're going to be wanting to try and make sure that we get what we can for him um but all kinds a really nice guy which is also part of the the, the the dichotomy of this whole thing, I think it's just it's in like an application and like a not treating everything as serious as you could do issue. I think more than anything else. Yeah, I would temper. Also... Well, I would temper like all of that just by saying that if we were you know a ruthless kind of club that where nonsense was not tolerated by anyone, then I could perhaps understand that more. But I've seen players not apply themselves on the pitch in the last twelve months. Um, you know who get ample opportunities to perform I can think I mean I've, I went back and watched the St. Mirren game uh, highlights just to remind myself because obviously in the red chair you don't get Why the best would view you of do things that? oh you just need to have the full perspective so you can go on and talk about it in a drunken fashion and incredibly drunken fashion immediately afterwards and ponder 
wonder what the hell he actually said. Um, and I mean, like for the not the first time, Graham will back me up on this. The second goal, Shaden Morris is in a full blown Kelrus jog, tracking back his uh, his runner, and that's not the first time that he's done that. So if it's an application thing, he's not the only one, but he, uh, you know, it seems to be you know held held to a different standard perhaps, and I think it's maybe unfortunate that he's not given a chance, especially in this season when for so long our creativity has been non-existent to, uh, to not give him uh, any kind of chance to stake a claim once again on the team but hey it is what it is and I think he will depart I mean I, I see the comment about minimizing a loss I don't think we're going to make any money back on him at all um, it'll should be a case of getting his what two and a half years I think he's got still got left on his contract off the bill right, yeah. and then yeah reinvesting his wages because yeah it was about 450 500 grand that'll come with the wages of a 450 500 grand player and it's best for him best for us that he moves on for me yeah exactly absolutely um, I'd just like to highlight John's point yes he was the one that drove that bus like it was a Ferrari flat out everywhere and terrified his teammates and the instructor <laughs> that might have also been it to be fair that might have been it um, maybe maybe and that's true there was some chat about you know the Williams thing as well heard some of that as well and maybe not a great influence on Clarkson because they're best buddies etc cetera, etc cetera. it's probably just for the best I think all around it some of these situations just get put to bed and, and we can move on as a club hopefully and invest as you say um, Graham you know and Gav some of that cash back into players who are going to be here hopefully and contribute to the back end of the season let's um, let's go back to the game though against Ross County because funnily enough as if by magic we start with a back four and we start the game pretty well probably the best I've seen a starter game in a long long time it felt like um, good effort from McGrath that deflected wide early doors McGrath in with that ball through from Povara who he just couldn't quite latch on to it. But we looked way, way more comfortable just straight off the bat in that shape and that system, didn't we? Uh, the uh, it's, It shouldn't really be a surprising thing, but by just overloading that centre midfield with the five players, it worked for us so well, both with and without the ball. Because without the ball, if a Ross County player broke, there would be, if he gets past Clarkson, he's going to have Graham Shinney to go past. And if he gets past Pulvana, he's going to have Connor Barron there to, to then engage. So, and then when we had the ball, you could see that for the first time and way too long, the players all had options close to them. I mean, you think of the St. Menon game, how often did you see Jamie McGrath and Nicky Devlin within five feet of each other on the right side and then um, Shinny and McGarry on the opposite flank, completely so far apart that it's impossible to make any meaningful play. And then you've got Leighton Clarks in the middle screaming for an option, and all he can really do is pass the ball backwards or you know lump it long up to, to Miofsky or, or Duke. This time there was always an option, always cohesion in that centre midfield. And yeah, I mean, it's, it shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone that when you've got players like Pulvara, Barron and Leighton Clarkson they're incredibly talented footballers and if you give them that opportunity give them the infrastructure around them to do so they'll produce some good things Graeme Shinney you know a guy as well we've not been shy about criticising in recent work weeks for his performances but we've also tempered that all the time I think by suggesting that the way we were playing was not helping him straight off the bat again look much much more like the player we know he can be playing in that much more familiar role, flanked by another player, and we'll come on to talk about that player in a minute, who would take some of that running and the load off of him. And he was dead unfortunate that a goal he scored in the second half was ruled out. That would have been a goal for the ages 
if that had stood. Because every time I was watching it, and you'd, it's a bit like the boy Woods we play with at fives. The ball was sort of ricocheting around. <laughs> and you think, at no point does he have this under control. And all of a sudden, there he is, putting it in the net. Ah, it's absolutely gutted. That, that was ruled out and then, I guess, checked and subsequently stayed ruled out. But the shape, the system helped Graeme Shinney again, didn't it? Just having somebody alongside him in Connor Barron, we'll talk about Barron in a minute though, having somebody there just to take half the load off him, just you could just see Graeme Shinney growing as the game went. Yeah, I, I still felt, maybe first half he was still a little bit, I was the same with St Mirren, he seems to forget that you don't really get much time in the ball in the midfield, or you know there was times where I felt like he dithered a little bit, or he was just that fraction away from winning the ball and then making the pass, but overall a much improved performance I mean he's not been certainly the last few games he's not been anywhere near what you'd expected what you actually need from your captain never mind in that role but Tuesday showed that there's still a player there but clearly we need to yeah we need to be mindful that he's not he's not as young as he was and actually when he was a bit younger sort of first time round it was a slightly different setup we had um, we've got the players to make him look good, and if he's looking good and breaking things up, then you know clearly that helps out the defence because the midfield's been pretty soft. So as much as we can criticise the defence, uh, you've got to get through your teammates first yeah. um, before they're getting attacked. So it was just it was just refreshing to see. And again, but it's it's the whole. Um, this is where I think most people are frustrated. I think most people would agree there's a decent enough eleven. You can make a good eleven out of the squad that we've got. And occasionally it all comes together, but it seems to come together when he has to change it or chooses to do something different from what he seems to believe. For the, I say he, the manager, is is the way forward. And every time you see it without the five, you just think, <laughs> how could you not see past, whether it's a four or just a change of personal, I don't really know how you, how you describe it, but every time that happens and we click and we play some football, Surely he's looking at that thinking, oh, that's quite good, maybe we try that again. But he seems to look at it and go, oh, well, let's just revert to type. And it's that's where I'm kind of fed up. There's a decent team in there, just don't seem to be able to, to manage charges and be able to see that. One thing I wanted to quickly talk about, just because I forgot about it <clears throat> um, when we talked about the defence, that's our first clean sheet in the league since the 8th of October against St Johnston. So a big pat on the back has to go to the defence there as well, actually. just Again, County, I don't think really put us to the test. Kevin in the chats said he didn't see the county game. Were we that good or were Ross County absolutely shite? We'll come and talk about that in a minute or two. County were pretty shit, it's fair to say, but I do think we played pretty well on the whole. And we'll talk about this a bit more later on. I would tend to agree that it was a little from column A and a little from column B, but a little bit more of us being very, very good. And I think what you saw is that how often have we seen games where we just, we are non-existent in the centre of the midfield and we just, we lose, we don't even... We don't even contest it. It's not even like we lose the battle. It's just the battle has already been lost before the game even starts because of the midfield three and the way we play. And, you know, like I say, the distances between our between our players. Um, it was just, I think what it was is like the defense wasn't under that kind of pressure that typically is because there was this barricade in front of them in the way of the of the center midfield. And even Miofsky, uh defending from the front, you're... Only so many teams are going to be able to hold a shape for 90 minutes and, you know, uh, resist attack after attack when you're under that constant bombardment. And we don't have the defenders capable of doing it. So when you go in there and take control of the midfield, 
lo and behold, you're going to have, you know, the opposition is going to have less possession and less opportunity to, to counterattack on you. And for me, that's what's happened. We stopped these attacks at the source rather than trying to react to them in the penalty box with Kelroos with last ditch blocks. It was much more of a it was much more of a team effort in defending this time. Let's talk about Connor Barron. I mean, came back into the side, um, was meant to play against Dundee in the game that was called off, but didn't then feature um, in either of the games after that from from memory. Once again, you know, showing when he came in at the side just how instrumental he can be. And at the same time, it just showed, you know, how absolutely criminal it's been, the lack of game time we've seen from him this season. Yeah, uh, I think we were all... I think we probably all thought that um, you know when Robson came in, he would have worked with Barron, and that's sort of younger. And we thought, right, Barron's obviously going to get game time because he started, uh, or he certainly got some some exposure kind of early on in the Robson regime. And then I don't know if it's been sort of political behind the scenes stuff, but if it is, it's you know it's, it's us that lose out because you've got one of your better players who, on the face of it, would appear to be getting left out for, you know, sort of non-footballing reasons, if you like. And I was just like, if you're doing that, someone needs to be the bigger man and that should be the should be the club and just say, well, you're one of the better players. If you're going to sign, I think we said before, I said a couple of weeks ago, obviously if you're going to sign and you're more likely to presumably sign if you're getting game time and you're developing, then, you know, great, he needs that. And if he's not going to sign and he's still one of your better players, play him anyway because you would trust him or I would trust him to be professional and that he'd be giving his all. And if something does go wrong, well, you know, it's harsh, but it's not our problem. If he signed for someone else or he's signing for someone else, that that's on him. But you would, I would trust him to be professional uh, and give his all if he's playing, whether he sees his future elsewhere or not. So, you know, again, you'd be, you'd just be putting him in the team when you, I can't really understand, I guess I don't know how a football club works. He's not the first player to ever find himself in this situation but it's just uh, it's a level of pettiness you wouldn't really expect because it just harms the team Gav John asked the question Baron does he sign or is he gone do you think um I think the longer it goes on um the less likely it is that he stays and I think part of that is because of you know the way it's gone the last 18 months especially um under Goodwin um and under under Robson this season just being so um you know in and out of the team um obviously there was all that chat about negotiations and the way they they broke down uh last season with Goodwin and and the board and and his agent um and you know the kind of the relationship seemed to sour at that point then he sort of found himself out of the team and I can understand from his perspective he's maybe looking at and thinking that it would be a gamble on his part to put his future in in the club's hands, given the way that we've handled it the last eighteen months. Especially, um, he's an exceptional talent who I think will go on to to do good things, big things in the game if he makes his uh, if he makes the right call um, in his next move. I find it yeah very hard to believe. Uh, I'm just hoping that even if it's not a case of going out and bringing in new players this this window um uh, if we can offload a few a few bodies and we can put a contract in front of Connor Barron that's a bit more appropriate for his his level his skill level what he brings to the team hopefully we can convince him that this is a good place for him to be and you know uh we can then reap the benefits 
later down the road because as it stands, I think we're going to get a best a development fee if he stays within these isles and if he goes somewhere where I think he could absolutely flourish, somewhere like on the continent like Spain or Italy, we'll get next to nothing and that'll be uh, a travesty as far as the way the club have handled that. Yeah, how... how Here's a question though for you. Obviously, you know, the, the, the initial contract negotiations have been good when we're here kind of broke down to the point that I think that every fellow was kind of irretrievable. Um, they started back up again earlier this season. It's gone a bit quiet. Connor has switched his agent since, um, which you can take in two different ways. One, that that's somebody who's definitely off because they've got another agent who can presumably find them something better or it's somebody who is maybe going to inject a little bit of common sense into the conversation for Connor as well. For the club though, how much would you be willing to push the boat out for Connor Barron to stay? I think that's risky because you've got, if you go through that squad, presumably Clarkson is on decent money. Shenny must be on decent money. Mayofsky and there's talk of a new contract for him. So if you do it for Barron, who else do you have coming in, knocking on the door? Um, probably most of them, but like Povara probably the next one say, well, hang on. I, I want to be, you know, I want parity or something with those guys. Like it's, di- it's really difficult, I think, for a club like Aberdeen, who are probably, I mean, you saw in the recent accounts, the sort of wages turnover is already at that tipping point between what's deemed to be the upper limit and what is deemed to be not fucking un- great. unmanageable, not viable. Um, and that those are the accounts that, are, obviously, I guess they're a year out of date by the time they're, they're published. So I think it's really tough for the club because as soon as you start doing that and you understand it but the same if you know if it happened to work you found out the guy doing the same job as you was getting a better deal because you asked for one you'd be straight in so I'm not really sure how much room for manoeuvre they've got and if you but if you do throw money at him it has to be sort of a you're here for 12, 12 18 months, months yeah um, and you, you need to go and we need to get the money back, something like that. In which case, that won't please everyone either because, oh, well, he's only here for a year. You know, he was on a, a long-term deal, whatever it was, because he probably has to be on a long-term deal so that you can um, yeah. have a bit of strength when it comes to the negotiating. So I think it's a tough situation. And this is all on the proviso that everyone just thinks, oh, you make him sign a contract. If he's no desire to sign a contract, then as frustrating as it is, it's just the way, yeah. you know, if it peters out and you get nothing for him or you get the development fee, like Gav says... Everyone assumes that the club has mishandled it and there's probably an element or there's possibly an element of that. But overall, if the guy doesn't want to sign, there's not really much you can do. Indeed. Um, further up the park a little bit on Tuesday was Dante Povara, um, obviously playing kind of off the right-hand flank in that 4-2-3-1 to, to a certain extent. Like I said earlier on, he kind of came off the flank a lot. But once again showing why he probably needs to play a little bit more frequently. You know, play of legs, showed plenty of ability that we've seen much more of this season. Um, interesting stab at Povara. He's, he's started 12 games for us this season. We've only lost three of them. That was Eintracht away, Pauk at home, where arguably he was our best player in both of those games. And then that 6-0 humbling at Parkhead. I mean, we spoke about it before the League Cup final, but he's really kind of turned into a bit of a form player for us this season, hasn't he? And, Another example, I think, on Tuesday, but why he needs to be playing more frequently. I would just like to say he was wearing gloves, though. So I take a couple of points off of that. But he wasn't wearing short sleeves. Yeah, yeah, but he should have been wearing a short sleeve shirt. <laughs> I'm okay with it. I'll let him off on that one. Um, I just think he's become a, a really, really classy 
classy player. Um, I see someone commenting, can't remember who it was, where uh, Dante's best position would be if it's kind of lying deeper as he did when Glass brought him in and when, when Goodwin would use him or further up the pitch for me. You know, I think um, he's got the legs, the athleticism to, to be a little bit of both. Uh, kind of box to box I think someone made a comparison with Lewis Ferguson which is I think fair as far as the style of player they are and what they can do um, on the pitch I just think he's a very you know classy player and adds that bit of physicality to the team which is a good thing uh, in the midfield bit of steel you know he's not afraid to put his foot in get a tackle in there provides a little bit of extra extra coverage at the set pieces both defending and going forward I'm very hopeful that Gary has not just disappeared, by the way. Oh, there he is. So, yeah, I just, I really like watching him and I'd like to see a lot more of him. Gav, you wanted to bring the McGrath board back out after the St. Mirren game, after you'd retired it. I mean, I think you're going to have to think about it again because McGrath, for me, was fantastic from the off, coming in off that left-hand flank, playing a little bit more further advanced than he has been. He could have and should have had a hat-trick. What's that? Jim McGrath wins hashtag baller well there we go see now on you gav the contest is over is that it, is it done and dusted yeah. now yeah done and dusted now uh is, i will be now setting fire to the mcgrath board which seems dramatic but uh yeah i mean what is that that must be about close to 10 goals this season i think that's seven McGrath. he's on now um with no penalties zero, which, zero which have been penalties um and i think i commented that especially united it seemed like his the impression of him as a goal scoring midfielder was very much padded out by penalties um this season yeah i mean i think he's probably been you'd have to say the standout piece of business in the in the summer i don't think anyone necessarily would oh, have expected oh. that <laughs> Gav, put some respect on Papi Habib K's name. <laughs> Anywho, moving on. Um, yeah, he's just he's just been very, very good, hasn't he? And there's still been games here and there where, and it's generally speaking been games when no one in a red shirt or a multicolored, just stained <laughs> shirt has, uh, has performed, uh, where he's been maybe a little bit anonymous. But by and large, you know, He's shown more to his game than I thought was there, for sure. Um, just both without the ball and with the ball. And, you know, he's providing that assistance, that support for Miofsky, getting goals from midfield. It's vital. So, um, yeah, a very good performance. Two, two good goals, like I say, supporting his teammates. And unfortunate that he didn't get the chance to, to make a hat-trick from the penalty spot. But yeah. uh, a matter of inches were, were what was in it. Uh, here's a question um, for you, Gav. More, yes. I think, than Graham. I think than, more than anyone else. I've just spotted that John in the chat hadn't realised there was actually a physical board and is enjoying the fact that video adds so much more to this, which is fair. There actually was a physical board. McGrath only signed a two-year deal from memory, I think. Mm-hmm. Would you be knocking on Jamie McGrath's door right now and looking to try and get a contract extension done and dusted? Um, I wouldn't be prioritizing it as such i think it's something i'd be willing to look at in the summer but uh as of now you know i'd be yeah getting all my eggs in the corner baron basket um i think mcgrath what he's 27 28 kind of 27, age range yeah, yeah. so i think he'll probably know that this is i mean i guess maybe he'd be looking at it and thinking that's his last 
real chance to go and get a big contract. But I think he's got he's been on the move a lot in the last few years. He I think he's a well. player who needs a, a a place to play for a few years. Is, is how he's I playing feel. well. He seems to um, seems to be enjoying it certainly at Aberdeen. Um, so I don't think he's. I don't get the impression that he's going to be you know in this ear to his agent saying get me out of here in January um, or in the summer. So I'd be keep a keep an eye on his form. You know, uh, see how it's going in the second half of the season. But so far so good. And if he's still at it in the second half then yeah get a year another year on that uh, on that contract yeah graham just on mcgrath again just quickly because he was the player that i think most maybe not the player but the signing that seemed to track the most uncertainty around it i think during the summer because it was a known quantity unlike you know unlike gay unlike you know jim mcgarry for example unlike esther sokler who we didn't really know much about although if you went back to now listen to the episode we did about Pappy habib gay you might have got an inkling about what we were signing there um, but McGrath's been impressive in that kind of kind of quiet kind of way. I think he's been fairly steady on the whole. There has been a couple of games where he has gone missing, and Gav's been right in a few of those. But I'm just actually looking at his numbers just now, and you know he's in the league. He is in the top 25% for midfielders for chances created. He's in the top 11% of midfielders for aerial duels won. He's in the top top 50% for defensive actions, which again was not something we would have necessarily leveled at him. He's in the top two percent for goals for midfielders this season the top 14% for shots attempts he's having a, a decent season and again it just seems that playing him in that slightly further advanced role like we saw on Tuesday is going to suit him we're going to get more out of him like that and this is an all round he's a decent decent footballer also uh, just despite Gav he was the highest scoring player in game week 22 on the fantasy <laughs> football Scotland app true um, true yeah, I have to be honest. I mean, there were some idiots in this podcast who thought he'd be garbage. And then there was you and I who thought he'd just be a bit meh on the basis that he wasn't, I guess he's a known quantity. I don't think he'd been, I never thought he was as good as his reputation suggested when he was here previously. But overall, he's been excellent considering, I'm sure he gets well paid, but no transfer fee, pretty low expectations. I agree he's had some bad games, but he's by no means the only one that uh, had some sinkers this season but overall he's been decent he's actually he's probably a better footballer than I thought he was but he works harder than I thought he would as well I thought he would be possibly a bit of a luxury and we'd end up carrying him but I think he puts in a good a good shift actually I don't think we I don't think we're carrying him I think he offers a lot from an attacking point of view but he actually he offers a lot to the team as well, other you know, not just um, going forward. So I have to say, being really surprised and really satisfying to see that he owns Gav by what's that, the second of January. Yeah, <laughs> I think a lot of the scepticism also comes from naturally. I mean, football fans are you know petty and will hold a grudge, and he has turned us down twice in the past. Um, I don't think anyone would be looking at the United team of last season and thinking, "Well, I want to cherry pick the best players out of that mob." And also, you know, it's it was what like twenty four hours after the chairman comes out on Twitter and says that we're only after players who are under contract. Yeah, I know, I know. and then we sign Jamie Graff on a free. At you know, the you third time last, at the third time last, was so to be fair. Was, I think under contract at the time. Uh, I don't believe he was. No, he, negoti- he negotiated a release from Wigan. His, uh, his release, I believe, had been confirmed yeah. days prior, along with uh, Jordan okay. Jones. I, I wonder why we didn't pick him up as well. Um, so I can't think. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, I think that's probably a, a part of why people were 
skeptical, but uh, I, I would say at this point he's been yeah the standout piece of business of the summer. And we talked about it last week. I think we talked about it, no, not last week. I think we talked about it on the episode we did after St Mirren. I can't really remember a huge amount about that because we were all very, very drunk. But we did talk about the fact that, you know, we've got a... And at the time we were including Duke in this, we had a kind of a foursome in the sense of Miofsky, Duke, Clarks and McGrath, who were kind of much more attacking, focused players in our minds. Just go and let them like run roughshod over a bunch of teams in this league. And again... We saw this with the shape. We're going to talk about this now. By changing to the shape that we did on Tuesday night, we finally got a chance to see Leighton Clarkson unleashed in that number 10 role. And he was fantastic. A display that I think just reminded us all about why we were just all so excited about him re-signing for us. Now, I'm not saying that Barry listens to the show, and we know he doesn't, but just let the fucking kid play in this sort of role week in, week out, where he can suddenly change games with that bit of ability on the ball to pick passes, find gaps. I mean, the way he sets up that second goal is just just magical, and I don't think there's anyone else on the pitch who can create that little bit of space for himself the way he does, other than Leighton Clarkson. The thing I like about that is it's the great sort of skill and awareness to make the guy, but then he doesn't get carried away and get selfish. He always, like He knows, I'm going to get through this guy, because someone will be there in a better position and people won't be expecting probably me to square it. And that's what I like about the whole thing. It would have been easy to get carried away after he gets into the box um, because he probably wasn't, I mean, he was in, good, in a good position for a shot and you'd, you'd fancy him to hit the target from there. But just that awareness that um, he knows someone else, probably McGrath, is going to be following up and ready for, for a shot was just excellent. And a few other... Pitch in the game where he just had, you know, some really good touches, and again he he does put in a decent shift as well. So he's he's not a total luxury player either. I think he does work hard for the team, and he's a guy who just can't fathom why you'd have him on the pitch. With his only option being to pass it back or just watching the ball sail over his head, it makes no sense to me, um, especially when presumably we've invested quite a lot in his contract with a view to getting a return on it, you're not going to get a return if you don't let if you don't let him play. That's the most startling part of it all for me, the way we've handled him this first half of the season. I just like Graham says, the, there was a major investment clearly made in him, and that was obviously with the long-term view that we get the money uh, for Leighton Clarkson when he makes the big move rather than, than Liverpool um, would get for him. Um, you know, you see it in games where we're we're not performing, and Leighton Clarkson's trying his absolute damnedest to make things happen. But there's only so much you can do when you're picking up the ball in your own half or out on the touchline. And even against Simon, when we were playing terribly, he did make someone. But of course, it doesn't really lead to anything because then you've got however many players to get through after that. So to be in in that position, and it seemed like he was really enjoying his football for the first time. In uh, in some time, maybe since, maybe since the last um, year, <laughs> last year since he's re-signed actually uh, as a permanent Aberdeen player, um, get him up there, and you know he didn't have the opportunity to do so, but we also know he's got a hell of a shot on him. So if you get him there, get him some space, we're gonna have another goal threat from from Leighton Clarkson. So yeah, a uh, fantastic performance, and um, not to just tread over old ground like what Graham said, but to have a player like him and use him the way we have, it's absolutely criminal. And the same goes for Baron, McGrath, Pulvara, Boyan, Miofsky, and 
like I say, hopefully this performance is just so undeniable to the manager that he has to recognise that we've got very, very talented players with the ball when the ball is on the ground and not watching it sail over their head to an imaginary Kevin Davis. Yeah, we'll talk about the, the how Robson goes in a minute or two. But one of the interesting things about the shape as well is that I think we get more out of Boya... This almost sounds a little bit like counterintuitive to an extent. But I think we get more out of Boya Miofsky when he plays up top by himself. And there's a reason for that, I think, is because I think with his movement, he likes to be able to kind of float around the lines a bit. He likes to sit between defenders... I think that's difficult to do when you play as a two because one of you is naturally set up to play on one side and the other one plays the other. In a weird way, it's kind of harder sometimes to find space. You're just running up and down the same channel a lot of the time. I think we saw that from Boyan again here on Tuesday. That In the, the single striker role, he's, he's much more effective, I think. He does well to set up the opener, plays a part in the second goal by holding off Leask uh, before then flicking it into Clarkson. And then his goal was just pure Miofsky this season. You know, gets on the ball, drives away from Baldwin, finishes well. I mean, <clears throat> we've talked about Miofsky so much on this show. It's just another signal, though, isn't it, about his importance to this team. And you've got to hope that we can kind of hold firm with any suitors that he might have in this window. Uh, well, yeah, uh, hold firm or arrange a sort of loan back, you know, so he sees out the season at Aberdeen, if, you know, regardless of whether he may maybe not sign for someone in January because if you would, you know, you look at even just some of the, the games where we have won and we've been pretty woeful and it's a moment of magic from him that's, you know, an assist or a goal. He's, yeah, he's, he's one of these guys that you just, you want to see week in, week out. And I think if he goes at the halfway point, it's just going to make uh, it harder to get that momentum built up and get those results going when your main man is unavailable. I think uh, I've seen a few people chatting about like I like Sockler. I, I think he's I think he's decent and I think there's there's a lot to be excited about there. Obviously Duke find a way to try and recover his form. I'm not saying he can play the same role as such, but we've we saw last season there's a good player there and there's goals there. But I feel like it's a slightly different way of playing with Duke and can you, do you have the, the tools to sort of rejig the team? Sockler maybe looks a bit more like he could just come in and play the way Miofsky does, but then he needs a bit of probably time and experience to get up to speed with, you know, the league, his teammates, et cetera, et cetera. And is he going to find that in half a season? Probably towards the end of the season he maybe gets going, but in that sort of interim couple of months, you know, arguably the damage could be done if the goals dry up for us, I don't really see who else we've got. I mean, we were kind of joking about Gay, but someone needs to We were to joking be about it for a reason. to fuck for that signing because that is just an inexcusable waste of resources is how it would appear at this point in time. Um, so, like, I don't really feel like there's loads of goals sitting on the bench is where I'm going with this. If Miosky's not around, I think Sockler can do a job, but I think it'll take a bit of time to get yeah. going. What I like about Sokler, Gav, we'll come and talk just to Miofsky in a minute. What I like about Sokler, though, is his movement and everything's very similar to Miofsky's. You know, the the incident that leads to what we thought was the penalty, but not quite. It's very similar in its nature to the way that, that Miofsky plays. And John in the chat has actually kind of picked up a good point as well. It's just sell Boyan and send Sokler to whoever it is that has signed him because he does look like a Kirkland brand 
bow yarn. <laughs> so they might not know the difference, which is a fair point. So, um, but Gav, yeah, I mean, it's it feels right now that it would need to be an astronomical fee stuck on the table for us to even consider letting Miofsky go in this window. I think like we talked about, um, the it's one thing if a club comes in with, let's just say hypothetically, you know, eight, nine million pounds for him in this window, um, selling him, which is obviously the model. Uh, I think we all understand that, but selling him and then going about finding something that's close to a similar standard as Miofsky in January is going to be very, very difficult. Um, I think that like Graham, I think like yourself, I... I like Sokler so far, but I think it would be an enormous ask for him to come in and fill the boots of Miofsky um, straight away. And whether Duke could play that role on the lone striker position, I think, again, you know, he's shown flashes that he can do it. But on a consistent basis, I'd be hesitant. I think what with Miofsky that I love is that we're talking about him playing up front on his own and how great it's been. And I don't think anyone would have said that 18 months ago when he first came here. I think we would all thought being in a striking partnership would have been a lot more beneficial for him because he was a talented player, great technique, obviously, and a goal scorer, but he didn't have the all-round game that he does now. And just to watch the way that he's grown in the past 18 months is, has been pretty incredible. Um, you know, even And the way we set up to play, it was creating chances for him, different kind of chances. You know, he gets that 20-yarder that he uh, forces to save out of Laidlaw. There's a corner that he... Perhaps you could argue could have done better with a header back across goal. Um, but you know, even against a defender like Jack Baldwin, 18 months ago, Miofsky's not on the halfway line taking the ball in, knocking it 10 yards past and then running away from him. Um, he just wouldn't have had that. And I think that's something that Robson and his staff deserve credit for because that's something that's improved his physicality in the time Robson's been manager. And it's one of those where he's moving away at pace from goal. You know that he's going to fire it back across the goalkeeper and whether he has the the ability to get the direction and the power. But of course he does. Uh, 15 goals for the season and a team that's struggled to create chances, despite what the manager might say and how many shots we have against various teams. I think he's just, he's, he's invaluable to Aberdeen right now. Um, it would be... I mean, if we could do what Graham just said there, sell him and then loan him back for six months, that would be the ideal scenario. We had that with Kenny McLean, of course, back in the day, but how often is that going to really happen now? Especially if you're going to put out the kind of money that I think we need to be looking for to even consider selling Boyan Mills. Because for me, yeah, he's he's the best striker in the country. Yeah, I don't think there's, a, I don't think there's any doubt about that at this moment in time um, as to where we're at. And I... Let's kind of look to wrap things up a little bit here. We've been just over an hour, so thank you to everybody who's still listening in at the moment <laughs> um, on the live call. I tweeted this out at full time yesterday. The result was important, obviously, and results it's a results-driven business. But in a way, it was... And often when teams are under pressure, this is the opposite way around, but in a way, the performance yesterday was almost more important because County were, let's not pretend otherwise, they were fucking dog shit, right? And I think most teams in the league would pick up three points there yesterday, perhaps Livingston and St. Johnston accepted. Um, you could have easily won that game 1-0, perhaps with a poor performance. But what we got yesterday, Graham, was a, a result, which is important, but a performance of intent. And I think that's what Robson needs to be kind of pulling out now, isn't it, if he's going to turn the support around? I, I think so. I mean, um, if I think back to... It feels like there's, there's a very similar situation to the Motherwell away game where I think we beat him 4-2 
and Motherwell weren't they probably weren't at the peak of that run of shit form that they've been in. You know, at that point they still had something about them that that result seemed to be good. And obviously, you look back and you think, well, actually, maybe it flattered us a little bit. Um, people get carried away, myself included. So I'm trying to sort of remain feet in the ground here. But I think a lot of people's frustrations it's probably twofold. One, the results just not good enough. I think everyone agree that. And then within that, there's there's a there's a lot of people that are just fed up with the quote unquote style. So I think it was important to get the the victory, but I do agree it was important to actually go out and play a game. And I quite enjoyed the vast majority of that game. And but but what really what I really can't get my head around is how you go from like the utter nonsense that was the St. Mirren game and just the aimless punts from everyone to what's not far off the same team. And then all of a sudden I mean, there weren't that many long balls, never mind aimless long balls. Um, and I know the stats don't bear it out because Ross County had more of the ball, but one of the reasons I think we we coped better was we weren't just giving it away. And then the ball coming back at us, I thought when Gartman was playing instead of Jensen, I thought that might not work out because I expected them to shell it to the boy White because he's quite, he's good, yeah. he's big, he's good in the air. And I thought this might cause us some bothers, but I don't think we gave them that opportunity because when we had the ball we were pushing them back because we were actually trying to play some football so when they did get it it was almost them having to get rid to try and relieve a bit of pressure or try to force a pass because they've not been in the game um so all of that is a long-winded way of saying yes the result is important and if he's any chance of turning this around in the eyes of the supporters he's clearly going to have to be winning more games but he's going to have to be playing games more like we saw yesterday, utilising our better players in positions where they can hurt the opposition. And this is the thing, is uh, and a few people here are kind of raising the same points about this, um, Gav. You know, one swallow doesn't make a Robson ball. There's still massive doubts about his general abilities to be a long-term success at Aberdeen. In a way, all that yesterday's done, to an extent, is show up just what an absolute arse he's made of the first portion of the season by continuing to stick with the back three, back five piece. And I did think his aftermatch interview on Red TV was kind of interesting that he wanted to downplay systems and shapes and all this. And he almost seemed like a guy, and I'm not saying this is what the case was, but he almost looked like he was pissed off that it had worked. Um, yeah, there was a lot of interesting comment within a five minute post-match interview from by robson um i did enjoy his reference that we've been a bit too gung-ho at times uh, which um i nearly drove the car off the road when i heard that part i must have been not watching during those specific times in the season um and comment of how we've played a back four on a number of occasions i would hazard i guess without having the numbers in front of me that we've never lined up with the back four to begin with in a game prior to yesterday we've changed to that shape when we've generally been chasing games yep. on a number of occasions, but I think we've always had some variation, some variation, variation. Some variation <laughs> of the, the back three, whether that's a flat back five or a five, three, two or a five, four, one in Europe, whatever it might be. So, uh, you know, yes, he has, but generally speaking, it's been an act of, of desperation yesterday for me. Like I think the worst thing that could have almost happened would have been that we played with that formation and secured a really uninspiring 1-0 victory 
that in a way for him would vindicate himself like well nothing much changes if we play this like this so yeah. we're going back to the back three when we come back after the winter break um yeah for me again like i've said it earlier the performance of the players in that setup has to be undeniable to anyone that was watching it um i heard you know i was watching sports scene last night and they were commenting on how well we played and how it was a, a breath of fresh air from this aberdeen team because we've been referred to justifiably as a long ball hoofball merchant team this season and you can't argue with it and we're better than that so uh, yeah if robson thought that the back three was the way to go hopefully he's learned that it's not with this group of players and i'm very curious to see what happens when we come back from the winter break and that's the interesting part now graham isn't it because do you think he will learn from this uh, I'm not uh, so more importantly, sure. do you think somebody's had a word in his ear about the fact that this back three stuff is pish and it needs to go? See, the thing I don't understand, or there are many things I don't understand, <laughs> but I don't understand how you know, we're all focused on the, the formation and what we do with the defence, but I don't understand how how you line up on Saturday to how you line up on Tuesday suddenly means that football breaks out. You've got, by and large, the same players... Like it's not like playing in a five means well, there's no passing from anyone. Just get rid. That's like I don't really understand. There's there's two things here. There's the shape, and then either the players going rogue and deciding to yeah. play some football, or a different direction. I don't know what it is, but the biggest change isn't actually the shape. It's the fact that we looked like a football team. I wonder if perhaps, I think Graham Shinney made a comment of this in the post-match Sitman interview that someone think, posed the question, like, do you think that we're too predictable to play against? And he said, I think probably yes. So I wonder if there's an element of perhaps like the team having, you know, like a team meeting and maybe even just putting it to Robson um, of senior players suggesting that he gave us a chance. Why, why don't we try and do this, perhaps? Because I don't, I don't honestly think there's anyone in the board that will have had a word with him. Hey, we've seen other people who we know who are like, I think I might have a word with him to suggest a pack four might be the way to go. So it's not like it's just a... It's not like it's us as fans watching it. There's respected people out there looking at it and going, I don't know about this. So but if, then in that case, because I guess we're all focusing on Robson because he is a the manager. There is Agnew... There is Sam Tonight, there's the players, there's everyone Sam involved <laughs> in that. But I guess <laughs> Robson and Agnew are probably the, the two that you'd pick on as yeah. the sort of manager and the coach. So it's not just Robson, but, and it's easy to get hung up on just what he does and what he says. But if they... if The reason I don't think he'll change is he's gone through so many games this season and the position he finds himself in, not necessarily league position because he might argue well, you know, we had the European games and we've now got a chance to get a run at it. And if you want to set that aside and say that's fine, okay. But he'll know where he stands with the fans who will ultimately decide his fate, despite what the board will tell you, that's who will decide his fate. He knows where he stands with them and it's partly results and it's partly the shit that we've been watching. And that the game yesterday is just going to prove to everyone that there's a good team there. And if he if he basically deviates from that and serves up what he's been giving us for the first half of the season, I don't see how he can come back from that. I suspect that he will 
under Stanley's probably secured his job for the season with that result because I don't think it will change anything. Um, if we'd lost yesterday in dramatic fashion, I could have maybe seen that being the trigger. I think now we'll be talking the 19th, maybe the 20th of January. Let's just say, worst case scenario, we lose to Clyde. As we saw last season, losing the Scottish Cup is not a sackable offence at Aberdeen anymore, so that doesn't even necessarily mean anything. This is true. And, you know, the board are clearly... Um, <laughs> invested in him uh, as manager and have whilst not you know giving the dreaded vote of confidence or anything like that you know they've played pretty quiet on some pretty turgid stuff this season and I think I'm kind of in that position of where I was with Goodwin last season as well where if you're going to decide to back him then let's back him as well and if he's capable of recognizing that there's been some problems within the setup maybe within the personnel that he's brought in and we can support him the way we did last season. You know, that's what you got to do. Um, I think, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very interested to see what he does when we come back, especially maybe not even so much so against Clyde, but when we come back and play St. Johnston and the first away game in the season. It is going to be interesting though. It's the, it's the biggest elephant in the room now is to see if, um, if he does learn from it. And if we can kick on from it, because I think everybody or most Aberdeen fans are probably in the same place that that result yesterday doesn't change a huge amount. Like it was the that's a bog standard basic result we should be expecting with the amount of money we've invested in this squad. I did say the performance was a massive improvement for me, and, and I think that's a sign of potentially or hopefully um, a, a better few months ahead of us. But it all depends on whether he actually backs that up now by by you know letting this team go out and do what they can do. I think John is saying that Lee Johnson for Aberdeen manager. I think he's saying that losing to Lee Johnson is a sackable offence. So getting beat by Darvel isn't, but losing to Lee Johnson is. So ah, right, fair. that's fair. That's fair. That's I, fair. I thought that, I that thought is it was a, a valid call. point. It is a very. I thought it was a call point. akin to Graham's uh, Robbie Nielsen for Don's gig last season. Shout. Yeah, indeed. Um, it'll be interesting to see if the board decide to try and back him as well by maybe even you know forcing his hand a little bit here by indicating that they might make some transfer funds available for maybe a winger or two. Oh, I don't bench. think any conversation like that will happen. <laughs> <laughs> Dave would be too buddy, too busy worrying about who you may or may not have blocked on Don's Twitter um, for that to become a problem, I imagine. But anyway, there we go. Let's wrap things up. Um, a positive result for the Dons, a positive performance, unbeaten in 2024. Gents, for you, top Don from Tuesday in Dingwall. I think you can take your pick of many many options but um for me um i commented on after the game a connor baron asking for the ball no matter where he is no matter how much how much pressure he's under constantly i mean we've commented in the past um made that little comparison with like chavi and iniesta but you see him he's always aware always looking around taking photos of what's around him um just different class and i think he uh, was pivotal in this different approach to the way we played. I mean, just, you know, not that long ball, aimless, hit and hope shite, but rather composed and with quality. So I'm going to give it to Conor Ban. Graham? Um, I was going to pick McGrath. Well, one for trolling and two, <laughs> a couple of goals. I, like, I genuinely thought he was uh, I mean, he had a good game. Hashtag baller. <laughs> yep, we need to get that. Um, maybe that can be a raffle prize. Oh, get Tim McGrath to sign it. Yes, yes. Great idea. One of you, one of you yes. boys can do that. 
Although it's a whiteboard, so somebody will probably accuse us of rubbing it off. But anyway, never mind. I'm going to go... It's hard, because I thought Barron was excellent, but it's hard to look away from a guy who scores two goals, could have had a hat-trick, um, played really well. So I'm going to go with Jamie McGrath as well. Also, just to get it right up, Gav, John's asking, can I raffle on a picture of Gav asking Jamie to sign it? I tell you what, John, you, you pay us... 500 quid we'll make that happen and we'll donate well, all of that to the AFC I will trust. add in another 500 if you won't do this Gav so Gary you'll need to do this if you can clip all the sign bouts of Gav bitching oh, nice. about McGrath and yeah. we just play that out like while over he's a blue at the same time while he's saying it yeah. that'd be ideal that's a good idea I like that I like that go for I it John like go for it I'm all up for that <laughs> also um, for anyone that is listening uh, we'll, we'll obviously cut all this down and we'll get out as a normal recording we raffled we started to raffle this at, uh, before christmas which in hindsight was a terrible time to have started doing it so we'll start it back up again now and um, we've got two spaces for an exclusive training session at cormac park with neil simpson putting you through your paces up for grabs Um all proceeds for this one to go 50 50 between the afc community trust and the gothenburg greats legacy fund if you'd like to get involved these are like a genuine once in a lifetime opportunities and you also get to see gavin graham try to play football as well doing this so what more would you want <laughs> and you don't well, you I excuse mean, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that there'll be some <laughs> cardio feature in this training session so you might see gary you know have a cardiac event possibly yes, yes. Ever knows? a man throw up on a synthetic pitch <laughs> Well, you're about to. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you'd like to get involved, if you'd like to try and pick up one of those spaces, like I say, there are two spaces available. Um, email us abzfootballpodcast at gmail.com um, with how many entries you'd like to purchase. Get on it. It's an amazing opportunity. It's also um, genuinely once in a lifetime opportunity prize training session at Cormac Park, overseen by Neil fucking Simpson, for fuck's sake. Neil Simpson. Um, and you can raise money as well to help us out to help raise cash for the Community Trust and for the Gothenburg Rates Legacy Fund abzfootballpodcast at gmail.com to enter that'll do us just now that'll wrap up this week's live episode of the podcast thank you to everybody who's listened in live thank you to the guys who've contributed really really appreciate it please remember to like, subscribe, follow whatever you might do in your podcast player of choice join us next time for episode 147 we're going to bring you part one of our season to date review with the one and only Bobby Soggy Biscuit is going to join us to go through it. It's going to be fucking great stuff. We'll look forward to seeing you then. Stand free. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Head into the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Moretti, or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round, and the bar is located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop taking supporters to Stadium for free on match days. Come on, you Reds!